listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. Uh, today's going to be pretty interesting. Why don't you welcome Pastor Brian to the stage with me? Yeah, right on. Um, today's going to be pretty interesting. We are excited about this, and we've been looking forward to it. You know, it was on the third part of our series on heaven that I felt, you know, there is no way on God's green earth that I'm going to be able to cover everything about heaven in four weeks. And the reality is, Having another week is not going to satisfy all of the topic of heaven. I know that. However, I wanted to give us all an opportunity in the room to be able to ask our questions. And, you know, there's a great way to do that where, you know, in a small group setting you can do it. But, you know, unless you're studying the book out with a, with a group of people and there's something really to research there or if you got a Bible whiz, it could be a little bit of a cumbersome task. And so... We felt like there is a way for us to do this. In fact, guys, throw up that slide uh, with the Q&A information on it. I want you to be able to text your question in. And in fact, why don't we just leave that slide up as the series slide today? Um, you can text. So everybody take out your cell phone right now. Go ahead. Take out your cell phone. This is an all play. Like, just let you know I can see you. Like, take out your te- Talia. Take out, take out your phone. I want you to text me. I want you to send in your questions about heaven. And we've had some come in during the week, thank God, because I have something to start with and I could actually study a little bit. I also know some pop questions that people have been asking me in conversation. And so I have before me today notes, cheater notes, the best I can do. However, you can ask me anything. And I told Pastor Brian, let it take precedent over anything that we've prepared for that's come in early. I want to get to what each particular service has on their heart, on their mind, and be able to really address those questions. So it's, it's not like it costs more than a normal text. So if you have a text plan, there you go. It's texting your question to the number 616-577-8999. You text a question to that just like you were texting anybody else, and it's going to pop up way over here on this little iPad. I don't even know how you can read that. Get your readers out. And uh, we're going to receive those questions in real time, be able to ask them. Uh, uh, Pastor Brian's going to pose them to me, and we'll, we'll answer them the best we can. Now, let me say this. As we go into a message like this, I am not setting myself up as some sort of guru. I, I've never been like that. And if, if really you know New Chapel at all, I think you guys like my teaching because I consider myself a student of the word and I work hard to bring you a good meal, so to speak, every Sunday. And so this is not me puffing myself up, being like, ask the master. This is no great master of theology. I'm learning. I'm on the journey. I might be a little bit ahead, and I might be able to vocationally focus more time towards it and answer things. But I'm answering them from my study of the word, not because I know everything. And so uh, be ready for all of that. And without further ado, we're already getting some fun questions too. So oh, keep no. on sending them in. We're getting some fun <laughs> ones already. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I want to start with a question that we got several times during the week. Yeah. Uh, you had answered it briefly uh, okay. earlier in the series. However, I wanted to start with this one because we got it so many times. 
will our pets be in heaven? <laughs> is Fufu going to be with us? Does the joke that the cats are going to go to hell work again? Because if it does, I'll say it again. Uh, so <laughs> I got applause for that. You know, I'm teasing with that. I did address this, uh, yeah, a little bit more on a cursory level. Uh, this was something that I didn't know was going to come in in real time, but I did uh, write down some things for uh, from what we did speak already, the Bible says in Isaiah 65, 25, that the wolf and lamb will feed together, the lion will eat straw like the ox. In other words, they're not killing each other anymore, and it's also talking about their presence. They're there, and he gives a variety of different creatures representing different uh, animals from animal kingdom. In Revelation 19, it talks about Jesus riding a white horse. In Revelation chapter 5, it talks about living creatures around the throne of God. There will be animals in heaven. The biggest question people have is, will my animal be in heaven? And there's a couple different thoughts about this. The one thought is, well, Jesus didn't die to save animals. So there's no redemption for animals. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But also, in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 21, the Bible says that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. So it's talking about all of creation. The world is on, under the law of sin and death. Animal kind is under the law of sin and death. So it's going to be liberated from its bondage of de decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So in other words, when Adam rebelled against God and he took the fruit in the Garden of Eden, we know that story, right? They were the only two people and so therefore, mankind who has a will, their children and so on, had a sin nature, right? Beyond their will, but Adam and Eve, the only two people, procreated. Animal kind, though, there were many animals. In fact, we think of the Garden of Eden, and, and how old do you think it looks? You know, at moments being old, you imagine a fully grown and mature, you know, forest or something of the like, of the sort, right? And so anyway, the, the idea is there'd be animals that are full-size all around there. He was naming them. And the idea is that before the fall, they were doing the same thing. They weren't eating each other before mankind fell. But when man fell, the whole world that he was supposed to have dominion over fell. And so it says in uh, Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation is groaning for its future glorious state. The idea, guys, is this, is that the animal kingdoms that are alive today, uh, yes, they're going to exist in heaven, the new heaven, new earth, I also believe this, that animals that have been extinct for a long time are going to exist. Um, you say, are dinosaurs going to exist? There's two good thoughts on that. Number one, uh, God created dinosaurs, and they were on the ark. Okay, that fits. Here's another one that fits, that dinosaurs were actually genetically modified before the flood, and that they weren't part of God's creation in the massive scale that we see. So however it was, they weren't eating people in the garden, okay? If they were either little lizards and they were modified or um, they, they were full-size, giant, massive things, I mean, how awesome would it be to be riding a T-Rex around? That would be fun. That's a great way to spend a Saturday. And so um, that being said, uh, here's some more information. Uh, as I was reading through all of this stuff, I thought about Noah's flood. Think about the Noahic covenant included mankind, but he also took uh, two of each kind of animal on that ark. That's a very interesting theological statement, I think. And so um, th there's, there's good evidence. Will your particular pet, the point that I made is, and I stand by this, there is no reason for God to hold your pet out of heaven. 
if you really liked him. Now, there's a scripture uh, that talks about whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I suppose if you really wanted it, why in the world couldn't you ask God to have a, a specific cat or dog or horse or, or whatever it was, fish, turtle, I don't know, you know? He said, God, I'd like that back. I really enjoyed that. And uh, there is a dog I hope goes to hell for my childhood. But beyond all of that, uh, I think that you can bind and loose all of it. One other statement about animals, because I've known some people, and uh, they have like the Betty White anointing on their life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, she loves dogs, right? And, uh, you know, some of you have had close relationships with animals. You know, I believe before the fall, there's incredible evidence that animals spoke Chapter and verse, Pastor Joe, okay, you read it in, uh, in Genesis. The, ser- the serpent was more crafty than the rest. And what was he doing? He was talking to Eve. He was talking to her. She didn't go, whoa, talking snake, right? Snakes talked. I don't know. I, I, I have more on that, but again, we got to keep this focused on heaven. But the idea being that I, I think that your pets can be in heaven. There certainly will be every animal kind in heaven and probably also some that weren't ever on the earth. Pretty cool. That's good. I'm going to ask this next because we had two different phone numbers ask it at the same time. Yeah, right now. Um, Is there going to be hunting in heaven? Okay. Okay. I've got some good content on that. Um, So, and actually, this is akin to the question, are we going to eat? Uh, We had that one come in during the week. So I'm I'm going to take the whole thing. If you're answering that, if you're answering can we eat, I also personally want to know, yeah. are we going to have coffee in heaven? I need okay. the coffee in heaven. <laughs> Did you text that one in? Okay, um, so, so let's take it from the top. Eating. Yes, you will be eating in heaven. Everybody go, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Um, I just wonder how much because I'm down. Like, like whatever we're doing, I'm there. I'm a snacker. I just hope that we can have a big old two liter of Coca-Cola, actually glass bottle Coca-Cola, and a big old bag of Mexico from Mexico, sugar only, with a bag of Doritos in Jesus' name. That sounds like a great Friday night. Remember TGIF? You don't. You're too young. Okay. So, yes, you'll be eating. Uh, The Bible says this in Luke 14, 15. I want to read it for you. And as you can see, I marked some of this because I've got to have cheaters. I just don't know everything at once. Luke 14, 15. In verse 15, okay, so here's what it says. Let me relay this, okay? Blessed is the man who will eat and feast in the kingdom of God. So in God's future kingdom, there is coming feast. In God's future kingdom of heaven, there's going to be much eating. Now, is there going to be gluttony? No, not like we would understand Thanksgiving to be, right? But like there will be eating the kingdom of God. And then I have it written down, 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Now, somebody uh, posed this in a different way this week, and they were talking about will there be any hunger in heaven? Okay, when we say the word hunger, what do you mean? Do you mean people going without food? No. So there will be no hunger like that in heaven. Will you have an appetite in heaven? I believe you will. Because the Bible does show us, and somebody should ask something about this, you're going to be working. You're going to be doing things. And you're going to be able to build up like, hey, man, I got, a, I got a big appetite. You know, there's days where Kaya wakes up, she's like, Joe, you need to make your spaghetti and meatballs tonight. Like, that's what has to happen, you know? We have just like a little bite where we, get, we, have, we have to do it. Or, or anybody else, you get home from work and you're like, I have to have breakfast for dinner tonight. It's a must. We have to do it immediately, not sooner. 
You're going to have an appetite. You can work up an appetite, but hunger meaning the deficit? No. So I believe that that's going to be uh, the case for sure. And uh, then also, you think about, you know, God could have created us in the Garden of Eden without taste buds. And so think about now, like we like to eat, we like to eat different things. Some people like spicy or mild and everything in between. Why would he do that if it was something that he was going to completely cut off and all you're going to do is like get manna that tastes like, I don't know, you know, just vanilla sherbet every day. That's all it is, vanilla sherbet. No, he's setting you up for all of that. Um, hunting. In heaven will you eat meat. So the Bible says in Ezekiel 37, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that there will be fishermen next to the shores. And at the same time, uh, I, I know that there's not going to be death in heaven. So what does that mean? Uh, some of the fun of hunting is getting them. You know, if you talk to a new hunter, like, hey, did you, uh, did you capture a deer? Did you get one? Well, no, I shot him. You know, like, it's, it's diff- a little bit different, right? But uh, in heaven, there might be something like that because my belief is it's going to go back to the Genesis account where there's not going to be killing. Now, is killing a fish killing? I don't know. What does God define as life? We know animals weren't killing each other because the lion's going to lay down with the ox. We know that there was prescribed a certain diet in the Garden of Eden. However, uh, our father-in-law is a pain in the butt, plant-eaten, plant-based, whatever, vegan, yes, is it? Was that what, vegan? Vegan. Not even on, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I liked him better when he was fat. But anyway, <laughs> okay, in the Garden of Eden, my belief is that there were plant life that would be more satisfying than a juicy steak. That would be more satisfying. And you think, I'm like, okay, he's trying to sell turnips right now. I, really, I'm not. There won't be killing as we understand it. At the same time, we know that chickens give eggs. Is it going to be against what we got going on to eat some eggs? I, I, I can't say that that's true. In fact, I'd say that there's really no other use for a chicken besides the rotisserie, you know? And so, you know, so what is it all? Oh, I guess they do procreate. But anyway, you know, too much. So, Will we be able to eat a byproduct? Will they be able to yield meat? These are things I really don't know and understand, but if there's not going to be steak in heaven, God has a better substitute for it. I will tell you that. Amen. And take that from a guy that likes steak, medium rare. If you order it well done, order chicken and get away from me. You know what I'm saying, everybody? <laughs> Give your pastor some snaps for that. Okay, and then uh, coffee. Will we have coffee in heaven? I can tell you this with certainty. Yes. Not, I, I'm serious. Coffee existed at the time of creation. It existed then. And God said, when creation was completed, he looked at creation, he says, it's good. This is good. And so think about the people that are alive today. Some are diabetic and they can't have sweets. Some have allergies, peanut allergies. Some people, you know, caffeine makes them go nuts. So God's going to let you live your whole life here on earth. And there was incredible things to eat here, but he's going to take them away when you get in heaven. No, we don't need any of that junk, you know. I'm telling you, how cool is it going to be to be able to sit down with Jesus and have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee with him and just talk? I think it's going to be amazing. I, I could say with, with, you know, I don't care if anybody contradicts me. There will be coffee in heaven because there's going to be culture in heaven. You should ask about that. Okay, does that help? That helps. Okay. I have a lot of peace right now after, after <laughs> That was a deep that. one. Yes. Several uh, parts. Next question, um, will we get whatever we want in heaven? <laughs> Psalm 37 says, God gives you the desires of your heart. And that, like many things with God, is twofold. It's a, it's a two-edged sword is what he calls his word. One side of it is 
he puts the desires in your heart to begin with. So you think you desire it independently from him. In reality, he put that desire there. And then number two, he gives you the desires of your heart, meaning that he, he makes them happen. And so I believe that we have desire based in our flesh, for sure, right? Sinful things. We have desire based in our soul uh, that is out of deficit. Some of us have dad issues or inferiority complex or approval addictions or whatever. And so we have desires that are inappropriate. So save those, right? Except for those things. When you get to heaven, I don't see a reason why you would even have a desire that wouldn't point towards God. Right? So the things that you desire that are not of your flesh, that are not of like a deficit, some, some hang up in, in your lack of freedom on earth, I'm telling you, God wants to fulfill it. And that's why I know God is going to give me a DeLorean at some point in my life in Jesus' name. Next question. Is heaven going to heal all physical and emotional traumas? He, this person says that they have a sibling who's deaf. Um, also, that's in, in the same vein with a question we got during the week, which is, can you feel pain, for example, getting burned or breaking a limb or something along those lines mm -hmm. in heaven? That's a great question. Uh, and a lot of people ask about this because many people in the sound of my voice, you have some sort of physical limitation, maybe not as extreme as being deaf. Maybe, maybe you are. Uh, you're not in the sound of my voice, but you might be reading this in a caption. Uh, there's some people that have dealt with um, different diseases and has plagued you, or you knew a loved one that died prematurely because of it. Let me tell you, all those who are believers in Christ, at the moment that you're translated to heaven, there is no sickness, disease, there is none of that that exists there. Now, to that point, we are told by our Lord to pray, God, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. You know God doesn't have any sickness to give you. Some people are going around saying, Pastor, would you pray for me? Man, if it's God's will, he'll heal me. Uh, let me just tell you, it is. You, you don't have to ask about that. Like, God's will is settled in heaven. And so uh, when you get in heaven, however things play out on earth, when you get to heaven, there'll be no sickness nor disease there. Your energy will be complete. I mean, you're never going to get tired. I'm amazed. In my 20s, when I was 25 years old, young buck, I mean, Kai and I would look at each other at 10 o'clock and say, you want to go hit a movie? We'd leave and go have fun, stay up all night, watch the sunrise for many reasons. And, and um, so far as being 35, you know, 8 o'clock, we get the kids down, and it's like, this is exhausting. You also you know? have four kids, six and under, so yeah. that's a contributing factor, and we had four, four and under. We didn't know better. <laughs> we figured it out. But hallelujah. Marriage bed's undefiled. That's another question. Anyway, but there will be no sickness nor disease. Um, as far, what was maybe the follow-up uh, on that? Emotional was, trauma. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the, the follow-up that we had during the week was, can yeah. you feel pain yeah. in heaven? So part of the redemptive act is he gives you a down payment on your mind and emotions, but that has a lot to do with you, and it's renewing the mind. And that's both renewing your mind morally, but also doing the heart work and resolving some of the areas that are broken in your heart so you can experience freedom on earth. And so he gives you a down payment on that. Does anybody completely rely or uh, um, arrive on earth? You know, I think that the promise is there, and you can ex experience different levels of freedom. Do I think that there's always more in God on earth? Yes. Sure. But you can be free. And as far as the emotional trauma and stuff like that, renewing your mind morally, Romans 12, 2 satisfies that. But when you get to heaven... It's not that you get a new soul. It's that the soul that you have will not be plagued by the temptations that are in this realm. 
See, that's why when Jesus comes back to rapture us, he brings the whole church down into the atmosphere of this earth with us. we got to do it all at the same time. Everybody's getting their bodies at once. He's getting his bride, the body of Christ. We're all getting it. It has to happen at the same moment in this realm, okay? When we go to, and that'll be our body salvation. When people go to heaven now, your loved ones that are up there now, they're there spiritually in soul. And again, soul and spirit has physicality when they're there. It doesn't, they, they, it's not ethereal, meaning it doesn't seem like they're a blob. It would be like they're, they're in their body. You, you check with me, everybody? So the idea is, is that um, this, this down payment that we have on our soul is renewing our mind and doing the heart work. There's a down payment on our body, and that is healing. That's, that's a promise from God. Deuteronomy chapter 28, you read it. And so the idea with all of this is that when we get to heaven and you have your new body, it's not going to be subject to sickness and disease. And the moment anybody gets to heaven, including our loved ones now, they have clarity of mind, there's no temptation, and you can apply a temptation to even being tempted to think less of yourself because of something you did or somebody did to you or you're a victim of something or, or the like. Does that make sense? I hope that answers it for you. There will be absolute clarity in heaven. I've heard people say, oh, you only use a certain percentage of your brain, and then every once in a while I'll see a report and be like, that's an old wives' tale. I don't know, but think of it this way. If we only do use a percentage of our brain, you'll have absolute clarity when you get there. Your mind is going to have relief. And there's been some people plagued by demons from the past, and I mean that both emotionally and also maybe spiritually, and you're going to have relief. You can have relief here. God has more. This question that came in, it says, will we be able... I don't know where you want to take this, but will we be able to watch our loved ones on earth when we're in heaven? Yeah, Hebrews says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And uh, I've heard people use that to say that they're sitting around watching us all day. Let me relieve you from that. I believe that they can have insight into our lives. The Bible shows us that some of them are praying for us, okay? You can't pray to them. They can pray for you, for sure, because they're a part of the church. Some of the churches in heaven and some of the churches on earth. It's all the church, okay? And, uh, and, and so I believe that God gives them insight into our lives. But man, think about it. It is not heaven. If I, go to, if I go up and I'm in heaven and I have to watch my kids all day long, I mean, they're on the toilet and it's like, what else is on, you know? <laughs> so I believe that God gives them insight. I believe that they, they are trekking with us, but also they have their own life to live. They have a purpose in heaven, and, uh, and, and that's something we might talk about if the questions lead us that way. And so Hebrews does say that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I think it's Hebrews chapter 11. I might be mistaken on that. It'd be my first mistake this year, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yes, I think they're trekking with us. And so every once in a while, <sighs> every once in a while, I just be like, God, let my dad see this. Let, let my nephew see this and, and let him know I love him. Don't talk to the dead. Listen to me. You don't want to do that. You think you're talking to somebody that's dead and it's called necromancy and it is strictly forbidden by Scripture. You are not talking to them. You understand me? You are talking to a demon if, if any response happens. Now, it might be comforting to you and that's part of the ploy. You let that go. There's nothing wrong with saying, love you, Dad, or something like that. I'm not being critical or, or being um, a taskmaster on this thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and you've known people along the way who sit down and have conversations with lost loved ones and children. You are not talking with them, and that's the spirit of divination. It opens up things in your family you don't want. Does it hurt to lose somebody young? Yeah. 
Yes. But let me just tell you, God is good, and it's temporary. We're not going to be here forever. And you can say, God, let them know I love them, and God will send the note on. He has no reason to hold that back. But don't sit around talking to your dead loved ones. You hear my heart on that? Okay. All right. This is one that I'm a fan of this question just came in. It says, uh, will there be competitive sports? Mm. Uh, we also had that question come in during the week yeah. about entertainment and yeah. music. It's kind of been that same yeah. vein. And then the uh, second part of the question says, will everyone be a superstar <laughs> or have limited abilities? <laughs> okay. Those are some of those fleshly desires I was talking about. You're really not going to care about. But Okay. Uh, one good litmus test for this sequence that I'm going to answer is this. Um, could you have enjoyed, fill in the blank, on earth before the fall? If you could enjoy something before the fall, then I would contend with you that it will be part of heaven. Okay? So, so let's take it. The first part was uh, sports. It was about competitive sports. Competitive sports. Uh, anybody else glorified by what happened last night? Yeah, yeah, very cool. I had no idea. I always have to check social media in the morning, but praise God. And uh, so here's what I believe. I believe not only will there be sports, but I do believe it will be competitive in heaven. It will be competitive. And you say, is that godly to be competitive with somebody because then somebody has to lose? That means that somebody's going to have to lose in heaven. That doesn't sound like heaven. We think in our put a Band-Aid on your boo-boo world that anything that is not winning and perfect is negative, and that's not true. By the way, we do not believe in participation trophies. In Jesus' name, you should, yeah. Scattered applause, I love it. If your kid receives one, throw it away. Amen. This is not real, okay? Okay, I gotta get back to the Bible. Okay, so think about the Apostle Paul. He said, spur one another on to good deeds. He used a boxing reference in Philippians. He says, I'm not shadow boxing like one that hits against the air. Like, he's saying, like, dot him in the eye. Let's hit him. He talks about the armor of God in the Bible. And that was both, yes, for war, which we won't have war in heaven, but that was also for sport, like you think of jousting and things like that. I believe fully, and this is as a guy that is, you know, I'm not a big sports nut, but I believe that there will be competitive sports with winners and losers in heaven. And I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be able to spur one another on. There's going to be, I believe, all the sports that you know, a lot of the sports that you don't know that are on other sides of the world that you don't know that you would enjoy. And there's new sports that haven't even been created yet that you'll have an eternity to come up with. And I think that's going to be pretty cool. Remind me, what was like a part beat, all of that? Uh, entertainment, okay, music, yeah, yeah. along that vein. So we had people uh, yeah, during so the weekend ask that. There will be music in heaven. We're told about some musical instruments, trumpets, harps. We're told about chorus uh, of angels in heaven. But I believe this. There is going to be a cultural impact on heaven where you're going to see many of the cultures of the world where Christians were, where, where people were born again, even the culture that they were in, it's going to be grafted into heaven. The Bible says that there will be the nations of the world before his throne. And so you think about American culture, right? There's a lot to it. There's a whole jazz culture here. There is country music culture. There's a lot to us, right? Those things are going to translate into the kingdom of God. There'll be cowboys in heaven, right? There's going to be people wearing chaps and, I don't know, doing that whole type of thing, you know? Uh, there's going to be people like me. For my 13th birthday, I asked my dad, let's go to Chicago and go to a jazz nightclub. I'm 13, right? Like, I loved it. 
I loved did it. Did you go? I didn't drink, but I there went. <laughs> yes, I did. Renee Marie was the jazz singer. I love jazz, fun fact. And so jazz is going to be in heaven. And uh, I, I hope, I hope to God that we have uh, Charlie Parker and, and that we have, uh, oh gosh, Duke Ellington. I hope Ella Fitzgerald would say, boy, she could sing you in the corner sucking your thumb. And Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, God let him make it. Hold his sin not against him, Lord, you know. <laughs> Dean Martin, fly me to the moon, you know. Okay, so, so yes, music as we know it. Secular music, Pastor Joe? Secular, not sinful. Right. Not sinful. Well, they're talking about romance and stuff. Buddy, you better read the Song of Songs in your Bible, and that'll curl your religious toes. Uh, you want to talk about Frank Sinatra being sensual? Absolutely. And he's PG compared to Song of Songs in the Bible. And so, yes, secular will make it. Sinful won't. I wonder, what songs are you listening to that'll make it? Okay, um, so there's some concepts about music. Um, this came in during the week where we dance in heaven. Yeah, yeah. Now, I grew up in a church that said there, there's no such thing as, as a non-sinful dancing. And I thought that was so ridiculous. In fact, they were against premarital sex because they thought it might lead to social dancing, okay? Like, it was a big deal. And... The reality is this. Is there sinful dancing? Yeah, there's sinful dancing. There's sinful music. There's sinful driving. Just look at 131, like on a weekday. It's not saying that music or driving or any of these things inherently or in of themselves are wrong. In fact, the Jewish people were tribal. They had their own songs and dance unto the Lord. Uh, the, the psalmist David, King David, commands you, Christian, to dance before the Lord. When you see me down here, I got my hands up, things like that. I am not too proud and have done it before for me to do a little whirly spin. That's the best I get because I was raised Baptist. I don't have any hips. But uh, I, I, I'll give my Lord a dance at the altar because I love him with all my heart. There will be dance in heaven. You'll dance with your spouse. Some of my favorite memories of growing up is when my dad would grab my sister. See, my mother left our family when I was very young. And we'd be listening to Frank Sinatra and he'd be dancing with my sister. And my kids love it when I grab mom. We're cooking food, and I'm, I'm dancing to fly me to my moon. I'm telling you, we almost named Vera after that song. And so, like, like I'm telling you, you're going to be dancing in heaven, like in a romantic way. It's going to be wonderful. Praise God. Um, will there be stories, art, uh, all of it? Yes. Yes. Uh, you think that there's art on earth, and there is. It's going to go to a higher level. God is the God of all creativity, and so that's going to be unleashed. We better press on. I love it. Uh, this is a question that we had three different people text in. Uh, it goes along with having jobs. Okay. It says, uh, what do we do for jobs in yeah. heaven, and yeah. how does that work? How does it work? So um, this is why you attend a church that says, come to New Chapel Connect, find out what your purpose is, because you will never graduate from your purpose. It's not changing. And so when I talk to people and they hate their job, but there's at least relief on the other side because they get to hang out with family, I think you're wasting your life. I really do. And, and sometimes Pastor Brian has to be with me so I'm nicer to people than to just say stuff like that right off the cuff, right? But like, if you hate your job, you should really be finding out what you're good at so you can go do it because you're going to be doing what God has created you to do forever, and so you are created for good works. The Bible says in Romans that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, he's not going to take them away. Another translation would say that they're irrevocable. But 
there, there's also this. Stop apologizing for who God made you to be. God has gifted you. He's anointed you. He's given you talents. He's given you a communication gift. He's given you an ability to work on things, solve problems, whatever it is. He made you that way. So why we get a little antsy is because of, you know, the, the cultural images we have of heaven being a white, foggy room playing harps all day, and that's not what you're going to do. What are you going to do? You're going to go up there in, 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 in a very similar fashion to the way that you are and the purpose that you have, you're going to be working that out in a higher degree, and you're going to have time to do it the way you want to do it, the way he created you to do it. Some of you, I know this, you're good at being a, a, at woodworking and things like that, and you love doing all the little crown molding and things, but you just can't get it all done because you got to get your day job done. you got to live life. you got to hang out with the family. You're going to have millennia to work on carving things perfectly, perfectly. Those of you that are good with relationship, I mean, you're going to be able to make connections in heaven for other people that are going to be phenomenal. It's, it's going to be really a cool thing. What I like about all that <clears throat> is that all of it's going to work for the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. We, we think that you're not going to be doing anything. No. Ephesians says you were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. Adam, before the fall, had a job. Amen. Which, by the way, to all you parents, and you're looking at these teenage boys coming around, it, Job is a book in the Bible, and Job is a book that that boy needs to read before he starts talking to your kid. Go get a job. Get a life. Act right. You know? And, and, and seriously, though, a job is a godly thing. Why do you think it's negative? And I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's exhausting sometimes, but it won't be in heaven. See, there's a difference in between the curse of the law and the curse of the fall. Curse of the fall had to do with death. It had to do with pain and childbirth. It had to do with sweat while you work and toil. The curse of the law is sickness, disease, death, and financial destitute. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, check me on it, you are redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is said very clearly in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The second part defines curse. See, if the Jews didn't obey God, when they obey God, there was blessing. If they disobeyed God, there was a negative pressure from heaven because of what Adam did. But Galatians says that you're redeemed from the curse of the law, meaning that Gentiles are only subject to the blessing. It's an amazing thing but you're still subject to the curse of the fall. That's why you get tired at the end of the day. I have no idea how I come home. I'm mid-30s. In mid-20s, I didn't come home tired. I mean, Kai and I, every once in a while at 10, 11 o'clock at night, would look at each other and be like, want to go see a movie? Yeah, we could stay up all night. But now I am feeling like, why am I tired? <laughs> four kids in four years and under will give you that anointing Bingo. on your life. Yeah, you nailed it. You have no idea what you're talking about. You yep, put your yep. microphone no, down. I'm, but, I'm, right. I'm witnessing. I'm witnessing. <laughs> you see it. I'm joking with you. But, you know, idea being, guys, think about it. You're not going to get tired. And it's going to be a job that's right up your alley. That's pretty cool to me. Did, did I answer? That, yeah, that was okay. a good answer. Okay. Um, this next question I, I was trying while you were talking to survey the room to see if we had any kids. Uh, just Wells, but he's so young it doesn't matter. I, I'm thinking I'm just going to go ahead and ask it. Um, is there going to be sex in heaven? I'm going to answer this. I will answer it. I want to answer this in a very elegant way. I'm going to start out with answering whether or not there will be marriage in heaven. Um, 
which we also, I think, four or five different yeah. people during oh, really? the week and then during first service. Three people texted that question. That's so it's, great. It, people want to know. So um, marriage in heaven, there's two really good arguments against us being married in heaven. The first argument is that we will be so fulfilled in our relationship with God that we won't need other relationships. The second argument came from enemies of Jesus, the um, Sadducees, and they actually asked him a question while he was teaching on many things, kingdom of God and eternity, to try to stump him and mess him up. I do have some cheater notes here, and I'm going to have us turn. If you do have a Bible, this would be very interesting. Matthew 22 um, and I took out my little sticky note during first service, but Matthew 22, verses 23 through 33. Matthew 22, verses 22 through uh, 33. I'm going to read it. This is what Scripture says. The same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. Now, remember that. That's a very important note. The Bible doesn't put in details like that by chance. It's on purpose that it's there. They came to Jesus and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother should marry his wife and raise up his offspring for his brother. The idea was the way that they would do inheritance had a lot to do with the first son. And in order to keep a, a godly lineage, you'd have the, the son be the patriarch of the family. And they would yield to him on certain things. They had their own families, but they, they kept the, the livelihood and sustenance of the family in the ones. The idea is if the guy dies before he has kids, his wife should marry his next oldest brother to keep, to keep everything going on. This was very legal. This was very contractual, though. It had everything to do with uh, not the institution of marriage as a spiritual bond, but the contract institution, pragmatic side of marriage, uh, the basic building block of society, which is why it's under attack. Uh, the Bible says this. Now, there were, was with us, the, the Sadducees are asking him, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, uh, likewise the second also, and the third, even unto the seventh brother. Uh, last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. They're not asking this, by the way, because they want to know. Again, these people don't believe in the resurrection at all. Verse 29, Jesus answered, and there is a good one for this. You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. That's an answer all in itself. For in the resurrection, there are, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Okay. I grew up in a church, a very fundamental evangelical church, and we were taught there is no heaven, or no marriage in heaven. I have come to question that quite a bit. And let me tell you why. The first reason why is because I am a student of the word of God. And the Bible says that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every precept be established. What does that mean, layman's terms? We don't build doctrine on one scripture. We know the virgin birth because of things that are spoken about in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, in Genesis, uh, things that are obviously shown in the Gospels and in the epistles. So we have a doctrine of the virgin birth. We have a doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. We have a doctrine of uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, forgiveness of sin on the cross and the work that, that, that Jesus did there was finished. And we can build doctrines because we have more than one spot. 
for instance, you can't build a doctrine on um, Judas went and hung himself, you go and do likewise. Don't combine those two scriptures, right? You can't build a doctrine. So the way that we build anything that I'm trying to talk to you by is, is by finding it in two or three spots at least, at least. And the best doctrines are shown over and over and over and over again. There's repetition all over the place. Jesus said this one time. It is accounted for in three of the Gospels, but he said it one time. Did he answer their question? No. Who gets her in the resurrection? He does not answer who gets her in the resurrection. He doesn't answer the question. He says, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the power of God, and you don't know the Bible. And he's saying this to the people that were the most learned people of his day, saying that you are the most Mickey Mouse scholars I've ever seen. He's taking their inventory. Oh, I love it when Jesus flexes. Okay. <laughs> then he says there'll be neither marrying or giving in marriage. Those are not two different things. They're one thing. Jesus is a rabbi. If you ever read Proverbs and, and you read the proverb and then it like repeats itself again, you're like, why did they do that? That's Jewish poetry. That's the way the rabbis speak. Poetry for a Jew doesn't rhyme. Poetry for a Jew repeats itself in a slightly different way, or it will say the opposite, the opposite truth on the other side of that to make an emphasis. So what Jesus does is, as a rabbi, he says there's neither marrying nor giving in marriage. Like, the guy's not going to get married, and the girl isn't going to be given in marriage. He says the same thing twice. And then he says, you'll be like the angels. Well, somebody says, yeah, they, they're not procreating. On contraire, one-third of heaven's angels fell out of heaven. They, they, they rebelled against God. And the Bible says in, in our earliest book in Genesis that there were fallen angels that mingled with the sons of man, and our daughters of man, and created people. They're called the Nephilim, and I'm not going to open up that wound, but let me just tell you, oh, yes, they can. Now, when the flood hit, God drowned them in an inner cavity in the earth called Tardis. It's akin to Sheol in Hades. The ones that can procreate are locked up in Tardis. There are other fallen angels that are here that, that couldn't, or maybe they're of a gender of angel that couldn't. But all that being said, for us to be said, you'll be like the angels, and, and people have preached this with authority, that angels are like asexual or something like that. Not the case at all. They're always pictured as men, by the way, in the Bible when you read it. So all that flowery junk about the pretty woman, or remember that movie, Touched by the Angel? I love that show. You don't. He's so young. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Give, don't shout me down when I'm preaching so good. You know him. But like they're shown as strong, tough men, often armed. Hallelujah. And so uh, the idea is Jesus didn't answer them the way that he wanted, the, the, the way that they wanted. How about this one? Adam and Eve in the garden, right? They were married before the fall, you know. God looks at all of creation. He says, it's good. Uh, but it's not good that man should be alone. He goes to Adam, puts him in a deep sleep, puts him under anesthesia, local anesthesia, takes a rib out. The Bible says it, but he binds up the spot. I mean, this is, if you were there, if you could have just sat and watched, I mean, it had been a surgery. He takes the rib and he makes Eve out of it. I always thought, well, why didn't he just make something else out of the dust? Sometimes I think that women are made out of just, anyway, but um, <laughs> mutiny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You feel the same about me. <laughs> but it was made out of Adam's rib. Here's the theological question. What did Adam have after he looked at Eve that he didn't have before Eve? Nothing. Meaning, Adam, before Eve was taken out of his side, had likely feminine and masculine qualities. When God took Eve out, created Eve, she had the feminine qualities, 
and Adam had the masculine qualities. The two became one flesh before the fall ever happened. He had nothing more than at the moment he was created. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Now, uh, so, far as, um, so far as us being married in, in heaven, we were married before the fall. Many people believe that heaven, as we understand it, is, is picking up where Genesis 3 left off. In other words, when man fell. And that together we bring more glory to God than we could apart. Uh, there's scriptures in the Bible that talks about your family, your wife, giving you days of heaven on earth. Well, that's a very interesting way to put it. How am I going to have in my marriage days of heaven on earth if there's no marriage in heaven? That's very interesting all in itself. Um, Billy Graham, when he died, I can't think of anyone more evangelical than Billy Graham. He's our evangelical pope, okay? <laughs> Somebody asked him, where are you going to go when you, when you die? So I'm going to go have and be with my wife. And go be with my wife. Now, how does that work with divorce and remarriage? Because, like, if, if your spouse dies, you're legally, uh, I mean, legally, scripturally, legally able to remarry. It's fine. In fact, it's not good for you to be alone. In many cases, you should remarry. How does it all work in the resurrection? I don't know. And I don't have to know to blow a hole in, in these people that preach with authority that you will not be married in heaven. I don't think they have a leg to stand on. I think I have way more proof that there is at least marriage. God is a family man. Let me give you an arbitrary example. Here's the example in abstract, and I'll give it in detail. The abstract. People say with a straight face that tongues and interpretation of tongues died with the last apostle. They say it with a straight face. I can't believe it. It's untenable. It's untenable in Scripture. Let me tell you why. He spent so much of the gospel, so much of John, so much in the Old Testament prophesying about it. He spent so much of the time in the epistles talking about tongues and how it needs to be handled and, and the condition it needs to be. And you talk to one guy and says, well, it died with the last apostle. How do you know that? Well, the Bible says in the book of Acts that when the perfect comes, all tongues shall cease. And then if you read the very next verse, it says, and when he comes, it's talking about Jesus. Yeah, I'm not going to speak in tongues when Jesus is right there. That's weird. I'm not going to talk in Morris code if you're in the room, yeah. right? And so, yeah, that's when it's going to cease. But here's the idea. It's called the law of trajectory. You can learn the character of God in many ways by the law of trajectory. You can see where he goes with all of it. So I do believe in heaven we're not going to pray in tongues. But in the church age, we do. There's abstract. That offended a quarter of the room. Get right with God. Don't call what God calls holy un unclean. That's crazy. You better wrestle it down before you really speak about it. As far as God being a family man, what does he cite when he's talking to these Sadducees? He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm a family man. You don't know the power of God. And they want specifics. Jesus often would blow people off who were trying to trip him up. Chapter and verse. Perfect. Acts chapter 1. His followers finally accept the fact that he rose from the dead. They spent 40 days getting discipled, and Jesus is getting ready to ascend up to heaven. Do you remember the story? He looks at them. He says, you know, go to the upper room, Terry, there. And I think it was Peter. He pipes up, if it not sounds like something Peter would do. He says, is it now that you return the kingdom of God to Israel? He's still fighting a political battle. What does Jesus say? It's not for you to know the days or the hours that are in the Father's hands, but that might you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, go tarry in the upper room. In other words, I'm not answering you the way that you want me to do it. I'm God. And what was he doing with the Sadducees? My point would be he's saying the same thing. I'm not going there with you. You're trying to either have your curiosity satisfied or trip me up. Either way, you don't know what you're talking about. God is big, and I'm going to tell you I'm the God of the living. In other words, they believe that you just die and there's no afterlife. 
Guys, if you want my opinion, and I'll tell you this. I think I can build this off from the Word of God. I believe there will be married people in heaven or a higher degree of marriage. It will go to the next level. How does it work with divorce and remarriage? I don't know, and I don't have to know it. But I know that everything with God gets better. It goes to the next level. In fact, I have a scripture about that. Ecclesiastes 3.14. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Psalm 16.11 tells us that God's presence will be fullness of joy, and at his right hand there will be pleasures. God is a family man. And what does he say also? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are families. Those are families. They didn't have surnames. So it would be like, yeah, I'm the God of Capiello, Bevilacqua, and, uh, and Smith, right? He's saying that he's a family man. That's my belief. Now, that's why you shouldn't be getting a divorce. It's very important that you don't. If you've married again since your divorce, make this your last one. God's going to have enough uh, trial trying to sort this all out, right? But like, please, please stay married. Don't take the pill of this earth and hit the easy button. Marriage is not easy. Don't get married to be happy. Get married to be holy. And if you're with a, a, a spouse that's going to challenge you, they'll make you holy. And they'll challenge you whether they're holy or not. But amen? Now, sex. I then believe there will be sex in heaven. I believe God made you male and female on purpose. God made you. That's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. Every blue-blooded American believes God that there's sex in heaven. I believe that there not only is sex in heaven, it will be on another level. It will be an experience that you've never experienced before. You think you had a wild night, buddy? I mean, wait till you get to your spouse in heaven and you don't get tired. <laughs> High five. Can we talk like this in church? I think you need to hear it from the men of God instead of watching it on TV. I look better than those guys. Anyway, I also believe that in heaven, your worship to God will have a level of intimacy. And I'm not trying to be crass and say anything that there's sexual between you and God. But the marriage supper of the Lamb, you are a trinity when you get with your spouse. You, Jesus, and your spouse make the three-stranded cord, uh, cord, and then you get up to that marriage supper of the Lamb. It is the consummate marriage of all of that. And we celebrate big. We're all here. We all made it. That's a lot. Next question. That was a great answer, though. Thank you. Thank They're you. all gold records. All gold. So we have time for one more question. Okay. So the last question is going to be, uh, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Will we get tired? Will we get bored? In other words, in the same vein of, as last service, we had several people ask about what jobs are we going to have in heaven? What are we going to be doing? Can we give it up for Pastor Brian? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Guys, this series has been incredible in so many ways, and there's no way we can get to all of this. Uh, that's why I've asked that both first service and second service be made available. We ask different questions on, on many different things. And, uh, so we'll, we'll try to hit as many as possible. If they're really bugging you, uh, I'll see how many I can get to. Uh, you can connection card me. But the question that he posed was about uh, life here and, and versus life there. And are we going to ever get bored in heaven? And what are we going to be doing? Again, you have a purpose. And you never retire from it. God has a purpose and plan for your life. There's an assault against that in the world that we live in today. And you can see it. The world wants to decide whatever they're going to be. I mean, you can't even watch a Disney movie, and I, I'm a Disney fan, right? Like, but you watch it, and it's all whatever's in your heart. Well, the Bible says that your heart's wicked. 
You don't get your purpose from within. You get your purpose from God. And then it's in you and you can mine it out. But like, listen to me. God has a plan for your life, and you were created on purpose for a purpose in this generation for a reason, and you'll never graduate from your purpose. It's on you. God has a call on your life. Don't look at me and say, oh, he's ordained, he's called. Listen to me, you're ordained. You are called. And so when we talk about going to heaven and we start understanding that our Uh, consciousness is not going to change. This is true. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you know everything at once. There are great adventures to be had. You're going to grow and develop and learn your craft and your your talent and your skill. And I don't know what the economy is going to look like, but you will have ownership. Heaven is not a socialist utopia where there's no ownership. It is not evil for you to own something. Is greed wrong? Is is selfishness wrong? Yeah. But, But In heaven, you're not going to have that. He's creating a place for you. It's yours. There is no standard for communal living in heaven. Understand that. And when you get there, this purpose is going to be great, and it's going to draw you. And you will never get tired, and you'll never be bored. And let me tell you why. In this series, the second part, I talked about a glorified body that is when we are resurrected from the dead, if we die before Jesus returns or if we're translated up with him and we have our bodies at that time, that we will have a glorified body. But that body, is it supernatural? Yes, but that's a very limited word. Let me tell you why. It's not just supernatural as though to say it's of the natural world but, but better. It's supranatural. It's above the natural constraints. In other words, there will be times where you can sit and have a coffee with Jesus and talk with him and have dinner with him and then go faster than the speed of light. What's faster than the speed of light? The speed of thought to the other side of the world where you have another party waiting on you and you'll come just in time. That's above natural. You'll be able to go and, and ride a lion. Think about that. I mean, the, the lion's going to lay down with an ox. Come on, somebody. That will be how I show up to everybody's house. <laughs> Riding a lion, and by the glory of God, maybe without a shirt. We'll see. I don't know, you know? <laughs> hey, hikers, could you imagine going on a hike for a thousand years and never getting tired? Finding new things, new caves? Could you imagine going down to the depths of some of the different lakes and streams and being able to go down there and never have to come up for air, playing with all the different creation of God? Could you imagine going to the different stars of this universe and charting them out, making maps and telling people about the great adventures that you had been on? It is beyond natural. It's supernatural. Yes, it's supranatural. There is this heaven, and it exists with no violence, with no death, no wild animals, no, no theft, no, no opportunity for you to mess up a relationship or have a relationship taken from you. It is this eternal place that, that, that's held in security by God. You'll never get tired. You'll never get sick. You'll never hurt in your body. Never lose a relationship. Never lose a loved one again. And there's no pain. Oh, God. (sighs) 
I lived a lot of my childhood going in and out of children's hospitals because of my feet. I was born with club feet, and I've dealt with a lot of pain in my life and structural pain because of it. Maybe you've had to deal with pain, or maybe you've gone up in years and been surprised by arthritis or surprised by structure, not doing what it was supposed to do or what you feel it's supposed to do. There's coming a place, guys, where there's no pain. Can you wrap your mind around that? And even still, with all of this description and a whole month spent on it, we haven't gone on the tip of the iceberg. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the great things that God has in store for you. The greatest imaginations you could ever have about heaven is weak and feeble imagination compared to the wonder that awaits you. It is going to be a place and a realm that you can't even begin to comprehend. And though we can't, we are called by God to set our hearts on heaven, the eternal things. And that is to say this, you will know people in heaven. You will feel in heaven deeply, physically feel. Every sensual desire, every physical desire will be met in heaven. You're going to be able to eat, of course, but you're going to be able to eat as much as you want and never gain weight. That's the best amen of the whole service right there, Georgian. You want to go there. Two questions I want to pray with us. Number one, are you right with God? Are you right with God? The only way to have peace with your God is through his only son, Jesus. There's not another way. You say, I messed up too bad. Join the club. You are actually in very unique company of people that were saved by grace. If you're not right with God, we'll give you opportunity to do that. It's by making Jesus Lord. Lord means boss. It means God. It means you're done being the God of your life, and you're ready to give that control over to him. Do you know before Christ, God's not in control of your life. You are. He's a gentleman. Well, God's in control. If you make him Lord, he is. You submit to his word and his will, he is. It's a big deal. Huge. Number two, does your life reflect being a person who's living for eternal impact. So Christian, if you've gone through this series, let it affect you. Like leverage everything about your life to reach other people so they can know that there's a God that sits on high. He sent Jesus to make a way where there seemed to be no way. Leverage your stuff. Nothing wrong with having stuff. Just don't store it up in heaven. Reach people with it. Love on people far from God. Get involved at this church. We need you. Are we getting by without you? okay? It'd be so much better with you. Join the team. Open a door. Usher. Be back with kids. Pour some coffee. Like, get on the team. Find out your purpose. Go to New Chapel Connect. It's after church today. Go to New Chapel Connect. Make plans if it's not today to get in vogue with your purpose. God has a plan for your life. And you've got to begin living with this eternal perspective. If we become like some churches are, and it's all about us huddling up, and we got to just make sure we're pounding it every Sunday, and we made it, and we're all afraid of the world. I ain't afraid of the world. The world is losing. They're losing so bad they're doing it loudly, and they're confusing some of you into thinking that they're winning. They're not. The devil always overplays his hand. This should be our finest hour. And if I could get Christians in Western Michigan to get up off your blessed assurance and help me win people to Jesus, it would be phenomenal. That's pretty heavy, Pastor Joe. It should be life-giving. 
It should be life-giving because it means we can do it together. We can make this impact together. Don't give the devil one foot of room. Play to win. Don't shadow box. Keep eternity in your heart. And friend, you will see the glory of God. And even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for meeting us in this place. God, I thank you for these truths about heaven. God, it was not just for curiosity's sake. We want to know what you did for us, God. We're grateful. Lord, I pray for the people in the sound of my voice that you're working on them with something, or, or they're challenged by something, or they know they got to make something right, or they know they got to jump in. I pray that you deal with them in a specific way. God, you got a plan. Let you have your way in their life. And God, I pray for those people that, as I'm talking about a relationship with you through Jesus, they're drawn when I say that. As I'm preaching a message like this, there's something in them that says, yep, yep, friend, let me tell you, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's confirming the word as you heard it today. He's confirming what you're hearing. That's why you're being drawn. And so in a minute, we're going to pray. For those people that don't know God, this is going to be your moment. If you mean it, you'll be saved. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts today. You can leave this place knowing you're avoiding a Christless hell. You're on your way to heaven, but that eternity is in your heart. And to those people that you know, you need to re-up your commitment today. Don't leave these doors. Don't leave this moment. The Spirit of God will not contend with man for long. There's at least, at least one family, and you know this is the Sunday. You need to say, this is our home. We need to get planted. Don't leave this place without saying yes to God on whatever he's dealing with you on individually. All right, we're going to say that prayer. I want all of us to say it together. Even those that are Christians, I want you to say it as a declaration of your faith. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, give it up for those people that accepted Christ in here. Hallelujah. Louder than that. Come on, church. We're celebrating with you because we did the same thing. If you accepted Christ in here today, you got to let us know about it. I'm not going to call you down to the front. There's things that are very public, like baptism. This is what, it was between you and God. I get that. But fill out that connection card. Let me know. Check the box that says, I accepted Christ. I want to send you a note in the mail talking about next steps that God has for you. God has great things for you, the least of which is to fill out that card. And if you came with somebody that accepted Christ today, encourage them to check that box and turn it in. We mean no harm by it. People aren't going to know whether you're a first-time visitor, have a prayer request, or whether you accepted Christ. Either way, this church is proud of you. One more time, New Chapel. Come on, somebody. Stand up on your feet. 
I hope y'all got something out of this this month. And uh, man, we need to live with heaven as our focus. Amen. A couple of announcements before we dismiss. Uh, we are in the midst of our, our whole s- uh, season of four ways to give back. And that includes, yes, um, us inviting people to our Christmas services, serving at Christmas services. But also, uh, next week is our, our Kingdom Legacy offering. Don't forget that on December 11th, however, and you can go back to that one. I'm going quick, I know. Uh, December 11th, that's this Saturday. Everybody say this Saturday. This Saturday, we are having a grand outreach. We have some partners at the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child, and they have donated all of the things that are going to go in to some gifts that are going to go out to our less fortunate neighborhoods. Some of the trailer parks nearby, some of the apartments, we've identified some families that aren't going to have Christmas without us. I need your help. This Saturday, we're going to be meeting at the church, and we're going to be going out to its 14-mile and Northland Drive, right behind Baptist Continental Missions. They have a warehouse back there, and we're going to be packing together these Christmas gifts for families that are less fortunate, not out in Africa or India, though that's very important, on Alpine Avenue. Alpine Meadows over at the apartments across the street. Let's have an impact in our neighborhood. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, I need, yeah, praise God. I need you to sign up, however, over at guest services. Let us know you're coming and put down a phone number at least, and we'll tell you all the details about what's going to be happening, and we'll get loud about it on social media. Don't worry about that. But this Saturday is before I get to talk to you again. Make sure we have a good crowd there. Let's pack hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these care packages, which are awesome gifts for these kids. Guys, also, I want to let you know that after this service today, we're having worship auditions. For those of you that can sing or play an instrument, we'd love for you to try out. Lord Almighty, if you can play the harmonica, the ukulele, if you can stomp good, I don't know, play the jug, uh, you are more than welcome We'll put you on the electric guitar the next week. And so if you forgot your instrument, that's okay. Still come talk to us, and you can meet us right here on the stage as we dismiss today. And don't forget, whatever you do, that on December 24th, we are celebrating Christmas Eve together as a church. Now, what we're doing is something very cool. We're moving our Sunday morning services on the 26th. We're moving them to Friday the 24th at 4 o'clock and 6 So if you come on the 26th at 9 or 11, you're preaching, okay? So don't come. And we we landed on that because if the preacher don't want to be there, nobody wants to be there. And so we want you to spend time with your family. We thought it would be a far more awesome and intimate service to be able to uh, be together on Christmas Eve. Amen, somebody? Hey, give it up for my bride as she comes up here. What do you think? Are we going to be married in heaven? You stay with me? Okay, praise the Lord. She'll stay with me if God will have it. Don't die on that hill, by the way. But I love y'all. Next week, we're going to be talking vision that is going to be thrilling. Be there. Bring somebody with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, as you go, see you next weekend. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.